Welcome to the Digital Skills Cast, your weekly podcast covering trends in marketing, sales, technology, and higher education so that faculty and administrators can position their institutions to help close the digital skills gap. Here's your host, Nate Riggs. Welcome back. I am Nate Riggs, and you are in the right place. This is the Digital Skills Cast. We are your number one podcast for exposing and closing digital skills casks. And each week we talk with guests who are passionate about technology, whether they're working for the companies who are developing it or they're working inside organizations and different institutions who are trying to adopt it. Our goal with conversations is to leave you with ideas on how you can do the same, how you can better use technology in your organization, or at least understand what's out there. In our last episode, we talked with Stephanie Talalai from the A. Harry Moore School in New Jersey, where she is a technology coordinator. Stephanie is a longtime veteran of the school, and she's worked to develop some really innovative ways to use assistive technology to help students with disabilities have really great immersive learning experiences. It's such a cool story, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. If you're curious to go back and listen to past episodes of Digital Skills Cast, you can find all of those by visiting digitalskillscast.com, where we archive everything that we do. Subscribe while you're there. We can deliver DSC episodes to your inbox every time we produce them via email, or if you are a podcast app listener. There's a variety of ways you can subscribe across different networks. Our privacy policy is really simple. We promise not to share your information. Plain and simple. This week, we're talking with the founders of Cincinnati-based company that has designed and built an open platform for education. This is really interesting. Abre is an open platform from schools who want to have a creative portal for their staff and students. The software holds a collection of different web apps and provides a framework for developers to create standalone web applications. Joining us are the the co-founders, Zach Vanderveen and Chris Rose. Welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Really, really uh, delighted to have you here, and I'm very, very excited to learn about the software. But first, I want to get some some info on your backgrounds. So let's start with you, Chris. This isn't your first startup venture or your first time working in education. So tell us a little bit about you know how you got to where you are today. Sure, absolutely. Um, so first off, I started uh, in high school and in college as a freelance uh, software developer, uh, developing websites and web pages for a variety of different companies, um, ranging from uh, pharmaceutical companies to logistics companies to a lot of different um, different fields, um, developing public-facing websites and some content management systems for some, some for some various companies. Um, at that point in time, I decided I really had a passion for education, uh, and so I became a secondary math teacher. And uh, during that time, I worked for the Hamilton City School District for five years uh, as a classroom teacher, uh, teaching algebra and pre-calculus. And then uh, about my sixth year at Hamilton, that's where I met Zach. Uh, and Zach sort of saw what I was doing. We immediately connected from a technological level. Um, and Zach uh, was able to have me join him as part of the, the Hamilton technology team at the board office of Hamilton where we started our venture, um, starting creating what has now become Abre. Um, and during that time, I had worked on some side projects. Uh, one side project I worked on was a website called Gamify.com that focused on badging and awards and experience points for students. Um, but really, I wanted to do something much uh, more encompassing than that. 
Um, and that's where Zach and I really started to put our minds together of what a really robust techno- technology solution uh, could be for education. Okay. Now, now, Zach, you have actually a, a background in e-learning, and does that include instructional design uh, as well? Were you actually building courses inside of, of e-learning environments? It, it does, yeah. Um, it, in the context of actually a uh, public school, so I started off in uh, teaching history in inner city, uh, inner city Houston. Um, really got excited when I started to expose um, just online forums to my students, just saw how engaged they were getting. Um, and how excited they were about learning in that, that environment. And uh, that really led me down the pathway of um, really pursuing a master's in instructional design um, and then uh, moved to Ohio and eventually ended up as a, an e-learning uh, developer um, where I was designing courses um, for the school district um, using a couple different LMSs, mostly Moodle at the time. Um, but really applying really solid design principles for creating online courses and uh, monitoring and seeing what worked, what didn't work. It was great because I could work with students um, face-to-face and then have them go out and kind of do hybrid models and see what really resonated. Um, So did that for a number of years um, and then uh, moved to uh, the position here in Hamilton, which is a technology director position, and and, uh, those um, e-learning and uh, tech background really has played a pretty big role in um, uh, running tech in the district. Um, But I also think just kind of setting up when I met Chris, um, finding a kindred spirit and understanding because we were both teachers, um, the challenges that educators face with what is being offered to them with with education softwares and platforms um, and uh, having the rare and really fun opportunity to, to have a, a, a developer come up and, and to work and, and really design and create um, what would become uh, would become Aubrey. Um, I so, mean, this yeah, is this my background. Is... Yeah, it's such an interesting story because it sounds like kind of that match made in heaven type startup story. So you guys meet at Hamilton City Schools. Was this literally like one of those, hey, let's go to lunch and suddenly there's a napkin on the table and you guys are scribbling ideas down? Or tell us a little bit about how did that that, you know, interaction at, at Hamilton lead to discussions around, hey, let's let's build something new. Um Yeah, I, I think I, I, actually go ahead, go ahead Chris. So well, I, the first time I met Chris actually was at a was at a friend's house, and I was meeting, and he was teaching math. But then he had he had coded this content management system, the CMS, like from scratch, and I was like, "Wait, you did what?" <laughs> um, and it was running the district's website, and it was really it was pretty quickly. It was like, "Oh my gosh, here's talent. <laughs> yeah. um, here's some serious talent." And he's you know, and, and a teacher too, so it was really cool. Um, so that was kind of our intro. And, he taught uh, Chris. Chris, I was tech director for a couple of years, and Chris was in the classroom. But right from the get go, we were kind of brainstorming ideas. It was in the last three years that we were able to to bring him up to the board and really because he, it became his full time job because instead of teaching and then doing stuff inside, it focused towards it. Um, really starting to create. So I'll kind of pivot to Chris and let him elaborate. Yeah, I mean that it was a very similar setup to the classic scenario. I mean, I think. Obviously, uh, Zach and I had met um, at a friend's house and started discussing and worked worked as uh, you know fellow colleagues for a few years. But I think during that time, I remember we did actually go out to lunch um, when the position that I was in at Hamilton became oh, yeah. available. And uh, Zach and I did start down the path of what if we did this? What if we did this? What would this do for teachers? How would this help te- empower teachers? 
uh, by giving them tools that they need in order to be a really effective and great teacher, letting um, software do what it should do, and it's getting out of their way and allowing them to be a more powerful teacher because of it and not something else yeah. that is thrown on their plate to uh, get in the way of really great instruction. So that's that's a really good segue. So Aubrey really has been rooted and grown from this need to change the value formula for school software investments. Help us better understand exactly what what that is, What what is changing and what needs to change. So uh, probably no surprise, but education can be a little bit slow to change. Um, So what happens is we've got a lot of legacy uh, software solutions in place, and they present a number of problems. I mean, one is they're they're siloed, so they're not not communicating to each other, which is really where you get a lot of the magic happening. They're antiquated and old and involve a lot of steps and processes that frustrate end users. Um, and it's your question, I'm going to it. They cost money individually. Um, so one of my key kind of jobs that I have to do a lot of is, is evaluate software platforms, software applications and, uh, to the, and, and figure out how does it apply to the bottom line. And it can quickly add up, um, having all these multiple different applications that you're purchasing that don't do what they, what you want them to do or do an excessive amount and don't, you know, and you're paying for all the excess. Um, so in changing the value proposition, you're creating something that's, um, that will save districts money, but then equally important, um, give time back to teachers and administrators and parents and all the stakeholders in the community, which is, which is, which is huge. That's where you get a lot yeah. of wins. So, so Aubrey, yeah, and I, and I, oh, go ahead. And I think, you know, to add on to that a little bit is, not only is it money for the software, but you're also paying money and time and resources through massive amounts of professional development that many a times will oh, just yeah. kill staff because they are, you know, taken out from their classrooms, removed for three, four, five days at a time to go learn a new piece of software that works in a different way that they have to learn how to adapt what they're currently doing with something different. And so the costs not only add up for, you know, monetary monetary costs of the software itself, but costs of, you know, your substitutes, your students missing their teacher in their classroom. Um, and, you know, that, that's another uh, proposition we're hoping to change with Aubrey being extremely intuitive and requ- requiring little to no professional development time. So tell us a little bit about a little bit more about how the software works. It's built on specific modules. Uh, what does that mean for for teachers and students? Sure. So I mean, the way the Aubrey was first designed was to provide a single sign-on dashboard that really is the place that school starts and school ends each day. So it takes the confusion out of where should I go to do what, and when should I do this, or when should I use this tool. Each day, we recommend that when you have Abre, um, when you're using Abre as a district, that you set that to be the home page. And so when you first go on your Chromebook or your, your device, uh, you would open it up and you would immediately be signed on. Uh, we don't use any proprietary username and passwords. It's simply a single sign-on method that the, that the teachers already will know once they sign in, once the students sign in they will be presented with a variety of tools at their disposal. Some of those tools are third-party tools that we work with and partner with on data integrations. And then some of those tools are what we call native Abre apps 
which are apps that we've created to run on the platform itself so that teachers, you know, students and um, any other staff members and even parents now are able to go into one place and get the information that they need. So, yeah, what are some of those apps? Can you give us an example? Yeah, absolutely. So, so first off, and we started with the core platform. Um, the core platform includes um, an HR directory app, which is really great for human resources to simply track who is, is doing what in your district. And as we found in a variety of different districts, you know, they're either using very expensive dated software to track that information, or they're using unsecure, basically, spreadsheets in order to track that information that's very cumbersome to, an- and anal- to, to look at or analyze the data. Um, another app that we offer is the Books app that we are allowing districts or users to upload um, open ed resources or books or materials or even create their own and push out. So uh, we we realize that OER is becoming a really large industry and a place that that districts can be empowered to publish their content. And this is allowing, our books app is allowing districts to publish content directly for their students, staff, and parents to read, look at, and learn from. We offer a guided learning app inside of Abre that's a secure lockdown browser we know that deploying one-to-one devices in the one-to-one environments is extremely distracting for students in many of the cases. So the one-to-one uh, browser guided learning provides that distraction-free environment by uh, allowing a teacher to create a focused guided lesson for the school for school that particular day. Um, a student's app we offer provides a 360-degree view of a student's information. So no longer should they have to go directly to their student information system or another data tool or a grade book or whatnot. They can see that overarching data picture directly um, on their dashboard and not have to spend more time combining and analyzing data than, than actually using it in their classroom. Yeah. We also offer a couple of uh, other tools such as a conduct app to track both positive and negative student behavior an assessments app that we allow um, teachers or districts to create digital assessments and deliver those via our guided learning app or deliver those in their classroom. Uh, And we paired up with an assessment bank to offer basically a high quality um, 90,000 question standard aligned assessment bank um, that would allow a teacher to create a quick assessment that's standard aligned, give it and get that formative or summative feedback instantly to impact their classroom. And I'll, and I'll let Zach talk a little bit about what our future plans are for the apps. Yeah, I think um, the, the context here a little bit is, is really targeting the, the, both the, the, the most frustrating parts that, that teachers or administrators or parents and students or stakeholders actually face every day and then really kind of going through them and taking some of the most important ones off the top, as well as focusing on areas and where districts can um, save money. Um, so that's also been kind of a key factor. So what Chris was saying um, really kind of fit the mode in, in what was good for, for Hamilton. Um, down the road and where we're looking to continue to develop um, kind of key areas, uh, one area that we're in development right now is, is the plans app. And so what this does is it actually addresses uh, in education, we have to have there, there are certain segments of our student population that have to have individual um, education plans. IEPs, so yeah. your um, special ed populations, um, your gifted populations, your English language learners populations, um, they're all required through a variety of state and federal laws to, to have these these plans. 
um, we're building an app that will both create them, but then that app will also track all the other moving data points um, that happen in education, like assessments or conduct or you know even medical history sometimes, to paint a more fluid picture for teachers, parents, um, special ed teachers as well. Um, and that just really isn't out there at the moment where the different components are talking to each other. Um, so that's a big area of focus in there. Um, the other one is really big in education right now because uh, tech is is uh, is growing into it or is catching up to it is personalized education, yes. um, personalized learning platforms. Um, so this is because everything is living in Aubrey or at least talking with Aubrey, um, matching areas for professional growth for teachers and for administrators um, and matching areas of academic growth for students. Um, based on, um, you know, the OERs that or the open education resources that uh, Chris was referring to or assessment results that were coming in, um, all those variety of components. Or, I mean, again, if I was a uh, teacher, you know, looking at how have my kids been performing in certain areas or what are my interests and then recommending professional pathways for growth um, because we're all growing and all learning. Um, so that's a big area. And then the third big area that we're really looking at is, is, um, is, a, is, is a grade book um, baked into the system as well, um, because we're finding people are using different LMSs or different grade book components. Um, and so having one in Aubrey would be good so that um, it can be centrally located. Um, yeah. So those are really the, the three on the, the media horizon, as well as continuing to refine what we, what we have. So it sounds like this is kind of, you know, moving towards becoming an all-encompassing solution. Uh, and there's a lot there. There's a lot of different apps there. So one of the things that, that is daunting about software is actually teaching people how to use it. How, how, does, this, how does this work with teachers? Because how do, how do you get them through the complexity of adopting a system that sounds like it does so much? Yeah, so, so, so I'll let Chris speak here in, in a second. But if I, if I can make just to preface a little bit of a trend that's happening in education, and that is, um, Google has kind of buttoned it up, <laughs> um, at least right now, um, meaning they they put out uh, Chromebooks um, have become very affordable. So most districts have invested in Chromebooks. And then with Google Chromebooks comes the Google Apps for Education ecosystem. Yep. Um, and I'll kind of pass the torch to, to, to Chris on that one just to explain why that why that's helping us. Yeah, I mean, very early on, we made the decision that we were going to say no to some things that were there that didn't need to be there. And I think, you know, unfortunately, with some of the legacy software that's out there, um, it's become feature bloated. There's been, you know, started out with five really good things and it's developed into 100 really bad things. So uh, we made the decision early on that we're going to create things to be simple. And um, as Zach mentioned, Google um, actually helped us out quite a bit because they released specifications called Google Material Design. And Google Material Design is a common design language that you will see uh, used by Google products, whether that's G Suite um, or Google Apps for Education. Um, and so what we found with Hamilton and our early adopters is that it's required very little professional development to, to actually go in and use Aubrey because it works very similar um, to the way the Google ecosystem works. So we talk about the um, application drawer. We talk about the pop button, which is basically the button in the bottom right-hand corner that's the plus button that you see on a lot of Google products. We've, we've made it work like Android and Chrome and Google Apps. So our teachers are less intimidated about seeing a different user interface, and it's very inviting for them to go in, click around, 
experiment with things without feeling like that they're going to break things. And it's interesting. You see that in other industries too, where there becomes this standard of UX where, you know, once a company like Google has paved the way, everything aligns to that because now you've already taught the users new habits. So, so where is this today? Talk a little bit about where Audrey is in terms of, of being a company, what schools are using it and, and how is this playing out for you guys in terms of, of new, new uh, school systems coming onto the software? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start off on that and then um, Zach can chime in. So, Basically, uh, at my time, so to sort of to pick up my story, uh, we were at Hamilton. Uh, we had developed Abre as a open source project, which it still is. We are still sticking to our roots on that. We had found that there were many districts that um, were able to, with, with some little assistance, were able to fire up the open source edition and run it. Um, and we encourage that. Uh, we then realized that there were a fair amount of districts that were either small districts or that they just didn't want to mess with hosting and managing it themselves. Um, so what we quickly realized was, hey, if this thing's going to grow, we're going to get more people on board and do some really great things. We need to offer a managed solution. So the Operator.io company was formed. Um, we offer a managed hosting solution to that. So obviously we host the installation, we do all of the integrations as far as the student information system. We connect it with Google Apps. We provide the data privacy and security and compliance. So um, it's really a turnkey solution for districts. So since we launched, we officially launched the business in November. And since November, we are actually uh, have six customers, six paid tier districts right now. Um, and then we have obviously uh, our pipeline is growing as well. So we have some in different stages of that pipeline. Um, but we're really excited about the six districts that we have on board. Uh, we also pride ourselves in the implementation time um, because with many software providers, it's a cumbersome process once you, you know, sign on with the product to implement it and get, get everybody on board and signed in. And we like to pride ourselves that really it only takes us about three or four days to complete that process. Folks, we are all out of time for this week. I do want to thank our guests, Zach Vanderveen and Chris Rose, co-founders of Abre down in Cincinnati, Ohio. I see a really bright future for open source technologies like theirs in education. And so if you want to find out more about what they're doing, you can visit their website at abre.io. That's A-B-R-E dot I-O. There's a video there uh, that'll tell you a little bit about how the software works. And you can also request a live demo uh, on the platform. I'm sure that they'll be happy to do that for you. Always remember that you can check out the complete archive of Digital Skills Cast shows at digitalskillscast.com. So go there, put on your headphones, cruise through the episodes, pick one and put it on for your drive time. You might like it. Subscribe to the show if you haven't already. You'll have that delivered to your email inbox or your favorite podcast app. And we promise never to share your information with anybody else. As always, I am your host, Nate Riggs, and we will do this all again soon with another episode of the Digital Skills Cast. That will conclude this evening's entertainment. Wait a minute. The Digital Skills Cast is a production of NR Media Group and recorded in our office studio each week at 454 East Main Street in downtown Columbus, Ohio. You can listen to the show each week on all your favorite podcast networks or by subscribing via email to our mailing list at nrmedia.biz forward slash DCS dash subscribe.